Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who did not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and you never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Thanks, Caleb. Uh, Before we uh, think about what those words mean for us, let's uh, pray and ask God's uh, blessing uh, on this word of his. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would indeed bless us now as we reflect on your words, that you would uh, speak to us through them, that your Holy Spirit would come uh, and 
Give us understanding, give us receptive hearts, give us hearts willing to receive what you want us to hear, hearts that are willing to believe uh, what you have to say to us, to trust you, uh, to turn from our sin uh, and receive your grace in Jesus Christ. We ask it for his name's sake. Amen. As Steve said when he began, what would you do or what do you do if you lose something? Uh, What do you do if you lose something important or lose something precious? That's the question that Jesus uh, wants us to consider in these three parables that uh, Caleb read for us. Uh, And that's the question that we're thinking about today. What do we do when we lose something? What does God do when he has lost something? Uh, In the passage that we're looking at, Jesus is spending time, we're told, with uh, what some people call sinners. Uh, That is the scum of society. Uh, He's spending time with tax collectors. Uh, They were some of the most hated people uh, in the first century world. Nobody liked them, nobody trusted them, and they were were considered to be pretty corrupt. Uh, It's kind of a bit like Jesus sitting down with the tax collectors. It's a bit like maybe sitting down with uh, someone in organised crime, someone in the mafia. Uh, Jesus is eating with that kind of person. He's going to that kind of person's house. In other places, we're told that he, he, goes, uh, he has dinner with prostitutes. Imagine if you came over to my house for dinner and there were prostitutes uh, around the table with me. What would you think? Uh, and organised crime uh, leaders. Uh, all these people are gathering around wanting to hear what Jesus uh, has to say, but the religious people can't understand it. They, they can't understand why Jesus wants to, and indeed is, spending time with people whose lives are so mucked up. And it's for that reason, because they can't understand that, that Jesus tells these three parables. And he begins by asking the question, what do you do if you lose a sheep? Now, most of us don't have sheep. Does anyone have sheep or has had sheep? There are actually a few. I can think of a few in the afternoon who have sheep. Uh, There's a couple who have lambs at the moment. Now, most of us don't have sheep, but most of us probably have had a pet or have a pet at the moment. Does anyone have a pet or have had a pet? Has had a pet, whatever. Uh, Yeah, and has anyone ever lost their pet? Jeff loses them all the time. He has racing pigeons. He, uh, (laughs) He deliberately loses them. Uh, but what do you do? What do you do if you lose a pet? For those of you who've lost a pet, what do you do? I remember when, uh, when uh, we lost our dog, we came home, we had this dog who was tiny, but he somehow had the, uh, the amazing art of being able to escape over a six-foot fence. Uh, he, I don't know, he, somehow he could scale a vertical fence. Uh, it was miraculous. Uh, but we came home and he wasn't there. Uh, And so we panicked. And what did we do? Well, we went looking. We went searching. We kind of divided uh, the street up amongst ourselves. And we went in the four directions looking for the dog, knocking on doors. Have you seen our dog? Thankfully, someone a few doors up had seen him and they'd brought him inside uh, and they were looking after him. Uh, If you lose a pet, you you desperately go looking. Uh, You might have seen those posters that people put up on on uh, you know, the light posts on the street or the, the telegraph poles saying, have you seen my cat? Have you seen my dog? If you have, please, please call me. Uh, why do people do that? Well, because they want to find the pet that they love, don't, don't they? 
They want to find the pet that they love. And Jesus asks us, what would you do if you lost something precious? Now, what would you do uh, if you lost uh, something like that that you love? Again, he asks, what, what would you do if you lost a heap of money? Uh, the woman in Jesus' story uh, loses about two weeks' pay, so maybe a couple of thousand dollars. Uh, if you lost a couple of thousand dollars, I reckon you'd be pretty desperate to find it, wouldn't it? Wouldn't you? This microphone's playing up on me. Done. I guess that's a no to that question, Marty. <laughs> or whether that fixed it. Uh, what would you do if you lost... So you've lost a pet, you go looking uh, because you love it. What do you do if you lose a heap of money? Uh, this woman in this parable has lost maybe a couple of thousand dollars, a couple of weeks' wages. Uh, what do you do if you lose that money? Uh, you'd be pretty desperate to find it, wouldn't you? Why is that? Well, because you wouldn't be eating for a couple of weeks. A friend of mine lost 50 bucks last week. He had to go to the shops. He took some money from the family kitty. And as he was telling me the story afterwards, I thought, you're such an idiot. Uh, he put the $50 in the top of his iPad case. And he thought to himself, that's not going to end well. He thought, no, it'll be OK. Uh, and when he got to the shops, he couldn't find, he couldn't find uh, the 50 bucks. Uh, you know, he searched high and low and he couldn't find it. So he had to, you know, get some of his own money uh, and pay for the, uh, for the groceries. He found it the next day in the ute, found the 50 bucks, but he was desperately trying to find it. And that's just 50 bucks, right? If you lose 50 bucks. Uh, and it's not just pets and money that if we lose, we go in search of. Uh, has anyone ever lost uh, their favourite toy? Uh, or has anyone's child ever lost their favourite toy? Yeah. I know that that has happened to some people. I remember being here uh, at church uh, late one time or waiting to lock up and a family came racing back in, uh, scouring the crate room, uh, trying to look for their, for, uh, their child's favourite toy. There's an ad that's been going around uh, recently. I don't know if you've seen it for Toyota. Cam's going to play that now. Has that happened to anyone? I love at the uh, I love at the top of the cliff lookout. <laughs> Nothing at the base over. Uh, I know that's not a joke, as I said, because I know other people have lost their uh, their bonbons or their kids have lost their bonbons, uh, their favourite toy. Uh, but the point is, isn't it, that when you lose something precious, you go looking for it, and when you find it, you get excited, <laughs> you cheer. Yes, finally we found it. And the more precious the thing is that you've lost, the harder it is that you look. Uh, and the more, rejoice, the more you rejoice when you find it. Uh, but what if what you lost was not just a toy, not just a pet, your favourite family pet, not just a couple of weeks' wages? What if what you lost was one of your own children? Uh, some of the parents here might have had that experience, uh, you know, of having the kids at the park or at the beach uh, or down at the pool, and they turn their back uh, to get something out of their bag or whatever it is. Uh, and when they turn around, the child's gone. Uh, that happened to my parents. They, uh, they were, we were at the pool uh, and they turned around. When they turned back, uh, I, was, I disappeared. 
uh, and they couldn't find me. They were frantic. I was standing on the bottom of the pool, looking up. (laughs) Maybe you've had that experience. You desperately search around trying to find. What would you do if you lost somebody that you love? That's the question that Jesus asks in the third parable. In the first parable, he says, what if you lose something precious? In the, third, the first year, in the third parable, he says, what do you do if you lose a child, if you lose somebody that you love? You see, for God, you and I and every other human being in this world are not just animals, we're not just toys, we're not just a few weeks' wages. Uh, we're people created in his image by his power to reflect him, to be in a relationship with him, to be loved by him and to love him in return. Uh, we're people created to know him and, and, and be in a relationship with him. But we've got lost. We've got lost. And Jesus says that God will stop at nothing to find us. He'll turn over the house uh, he'll look in every corner. Uh, he'll, he'll, he'll travel back uh, the route that uh, we've travelled along to find and to bring his people back. He'll stop at nothing. In fact, we know, don't we, that he will send his own son to become like us, to take on humanity, to live uh, the life that we couldn't live to die on a cross to take the punishment that we deserve to rise from the dead so that whoever trusts in him shall not perish but have eternal life. How far will God go in looking for those whom he has lost? He'll go to the ends of the earth. He'll go to the cross. The world uh, that we live in is full of lost people and every single one of them is made in the image of God and every one of them is loved by God. And to every single human being on this planet, God holds out his arms and calls them back. And when people return to him, he rejoices. There's no one of whom we can say, God doesn't care about you. God doesn't care about them. You might think that God is is not interested in you. I'm often surprised how many people will say, half-jokingly, I think, that if they were to come back into church, if they were to walk into church, that the roof would fall in on them. Uh, and I think that often, often that's only half a joke. They really think that God is not interested. They're too far away. But God made them. God knitted them together in their mother's womb, fearfully and wonderfully made made for a relationship with God. Jesus says that God came to call sinners, to find sinners. He came for the mafia, the prostitutes. He came for you. He came for your children. He came for your parents. He came for your neighbours and your colleagues. He came for the people at the supermarket that you walk past. He came for the people in prison, the people in drug rehab, the people on the streets. And that's not only important for us to know individually, that is, God is willing to receive me, what an amazing blessing, but it's important for us because if you've been found by God, if you've come to know God because he sent Jesus to come and find you, if you've come to know God and to be in a relationship with God, then God sends you as well to make that love, his love, known to others. 
God has not only sent Jesus, he's also sent those of us who've been saved by Jesus to make the love of Jesus known. He sends us into the world. He sends us to search and to find. Uh, You might be a Christian and you might think uh, that there are people around you uh, that God is not interested in. And so you think, well, like, I won't share the gospel with them. They could never be a Christian. But if God has gone to such great lengths to search and to find the people that he's made, then shouldn't we go to great lengths as well? It's cost God everything to search for us and to find us, and we should be willing in the same way for it to cost us everything and to go searching and to find others too. What kind of God is God? He's a God who will turn the house upside down in order to find what was lost. He's the kind of God who will send his son to buy his people back. But it's in that third parable, that last one, the parable of the lost son, that we get a better idea of what it looks like for uh, people to be lost, people like us to be lost and then found. You see, for us to say that uh, we are lost is not to say that God can't find us, you know, that we've gone, that we've, we've gone out of the house and he doesn't know where we are. That's not what it means for you and I to be lost. We're not lost because God has misplaced us. We're lost because we've wandered away. We've wandered away and we've left God behind. Uh, Imagine for a moment that you're a mother or a father. For some of you, you won't have to imagine that, but for those of you who are younger, younger, you'll have to imagine it. I have to imagine it too, what it would be like uh, to be a parent. Imagine that you're a mother or a father and for 20 years... You spend just hours upon hours and thousands of dollars upon thousands of dollars raising your child. For the first few uh, years, it's late nights feeding them. Uh, Someone I know just had a baby recently and they said to me, you know, these newborns are actually a surprising amount of work. (laughs) You spend countless nights feeding them, uh, changing them, settling them back to sleep. Uh, Then, a few years later, you've got to get them off to school. You've got to buy all the clothes, buy all the books. Uh, You've got to navigate them through that. You've got to drop them off at school for years or at the bus stop and then pick them up again in the afternoon. Uh, Then, maybe later still, it's in the teenage years and you've got to have those late-night conversations. There's a drama. Life is falling apart. Uh, You want to go to sleep. You've got work tomorrow, but but you've got to stay up. Uh, and talk. But it's not just hard things, right? Parenting is not just hard work. There's lots of fun things too, seeing people take their kids take their first step, uh, hearing them say their first words, uh, family holidays, their first day at school, spo- you know, spoiling them a bit on their birthday or whatever it is. Imagine that you, you do all that for 20 years, all the hard things, all the good things. Uh, And then they come to you one day and they say, I don't want to know you anymore. Uh, I want to go and live somewhere else. Uh, And I want you to give me all the money that I'll inherit when you're dead. I want it now. and 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 when I leave this place, I don't want you ever to contact me ever again. I want you out of my life for good. 
I hesitate to give that as an example because I know that there are people here who have experienced that, who, who are living that. It's, it's just devastating. But Jesus says, actually, that's what you and I have done to God. We've lived in his world, received his care, through the hard times, through the good times. And we said to God, you know what? Just give me the money, give me my life, and I don't ever want to see you again. Just let me do my own thing. Well, like the father in this parable, God gives us what we want. God does it. The father in the parable says, all right, that's what you want. Here you are. Here's the money. Talk about extraordinary. Here's the money. Uh, The son goes off. He takes what he's been given uh, and he squanders it. His life uh, ends up a mess. He's living with the pigs. Uh, he's he's uh, got nothing to eat. The pigs are eating better than he is, which is hard to imagine. And like that son in the parable, that's what God has given to us. He said, look, here it is. Here's the world. You take it. Here's your life. You take it. You have it. And see how that goes for you. And... We can see what that's like, can't we? This year of all years, maybe we've seen what it's like to try and live in a world without God. It doesn't work. We've maybe been able to fool ourselves for a few decades that, uh, that we can look after ourselves and provide for ourselves and it'll all be okay. But COVID has reminded us that that doesn't work. Everything's out the window unless God uh, is with us. We've thought that we could take the inheritance, our world, our lives, spend it how we want without God and it would all turn out okay, but it hasn't. And yet Jesus says there's hope. This young man, he's in this pigsty, he's starving, his life is miserable and he comes to his senses. He's sitting there and he realises that life without his father is awful. And he realises that actually the servants in his own household are are living a better life than he is. Now the servants back home are are living a better life than him. And so he says to himself, well, I'll go back to my father, I'll ask him, I'll I'll, I'll ask him, look, don't take me back as a son, but take me back as a servant. You know what? (laughs) Take my life back. You can have complete control over it. But just give me a place in your house again. If you were here last week, we saw that same kind of faith in the the woman who said, you know, Jesus, just a crumb, just a crumb from your table. That's That's all I need. It's better than what I've got. Being a slave in the house of God is is better than a king in our own mud pit. And as the son goes back to his house and to his father, his father sees him in the distance, he runs out, picks up his robe, he runs, throws his arms around his son and he rejoices because his son who was dead, who didn't want any part in his life, 
who took his family inheritance, that son who was dead is alive again. And rather than making him a servant, he brings him back into the household. He throws a party. And Jesus says that's the same thing that God does with us. No matter how far away from God we are, no matter how far out of our lives we've pushed God, no matter how much we've said to God, just I don't want to have anything to do with you. No matter how far away from God we are, there's a way back through Jesus. God stands ready to receive those who come to their senses, who leave the mud, who humble themselves before him and trust in him uh, through Jesus. There's a way back to God, but to receive it, we need to wake up. We need to realise where we are. We need to leave where we are and go back to God. Notice that the father doesn't go and live in the mud. The father doesn't leave the house and go and live in the mud with the son. But the son comes to his senses, turns back, And as he comes back, the father runs out to greet him. You might come to your senses. You might realise that life without God is awful. But you might just decide that you'll just keep living in the mud, living without God, living your own life, spending God's inheritance. But that's not how it works. We need to come to our senses. We need to leave our sin, our rejection of God behind. We need to put our trust in him. If we're not received back by God, it's not because he's not willing to receive us. That's what Jesus is saying. If we're not received back by God, it's not because he's not willing to receive us, but because we're not willing to go back. Jesus says in Matthew 23, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. Or Isaiah, God says in Isaiah, I hold out my hands all day long to an obstinate people. God has sent Jesus to find us and to make a way back for us to him, but we need to come to our senses Get out of the mud and go home. What kind of God is God? He's a God who turns the house upside down to find what was lost. He sent his own son to buy us back. He's a God who stands with his arms wide open uh, to whoever comes back to him through Jesus. But Jesus' last uh, lost and found parable has a sting in its tail. This, he, Jesus tells three parables, uh, all about losing something and finding something. And the first two parables are kind of like, it's, it's, they're really part of a three-punch combination. You know, the first two are to, to distract, and then the massive uh, right hook, well, that's a left hook, but it's because I'm left-handed, but a left hook uh, to, to knock the person out. Uh, in the first two parables, uh, someone loses a sheep, they find it and they celebrate. Then someone loses a coin and they find it and they celebrate. Then in the last parable, someone loses a son, they find him, they celebrate, but in that case there's an older brother 
whose nose gets out of joint. In all the other stories, it ends with the, with the celebration. But in this last parable, Jesus keeps going. He keeps going because he wants to make another point. In this third parable, there's this older brother whose nose gets out of joint when he sees the way that his father receives his younger brother back home. He's out in the field. Uh, he, he wonders what's going on back in the house. One of the servants says, your brother's come home. And your, and your dad's throwing a party. But instead of rejoicing that his brother comes back, he's sulking. He's refusing to come out. He says to his father, all these years I've been slaving for you and I've never got anything. I love it how he says, not even a goat. <laughs> Just, you know, as though that's the height of what you might get. Not even a goat. Uh, and now your reckless younger son who hated you has come back and you're throwing a party for him. What's going on? You see, it turns out that the older brother, who's been living at home the whole time, is just as far away from the father as the reckless son. He's like the toy. He's like, he's like Bonbon in the handbag. He was there all along, but he was still lost. But instead of his recklessness being the thing that kept him from the father's house, it's his pride. He's living on the farm, he's right near the house, but his pride means that he can't go inside. He thinks he's earned his place. I've slaved away for you. You've given me nothing. I deserve more than that. And there are lots of people who think like that. There are lots of people, aren't there? If, if, if we look around, if we look out in the world, there are lots of people who live pretty good lives. There are lots of people who are generous and kind, thoughtful. They're never like that younger son. They're never outwardly rebellious. They never squander their money on prostitutes. They never say an angry word. But really, they're just as lost as the younger brother. They're just as far away from home. And one of the hardest things for people like that in understanding and receiving the gospel, the good news of what God has done in Jesus, the hardest thing for people like that to understand is how God could receive sinners... And not them. How can God save really evil people and not be willing to accept me? That might be what you think. You might think, how can it be fair that God could judge me with my decent life and yet save a murderer? Or an organised crime boss or a prostitute or a pedophile? How could God save someone like that and not save me? Someone told me once about an old lady that they went to minister to and to share the gospel with her on her deathbed. 
And the last thing that this lady said to her as she left the room was, she was dying. She shook her fist and she said, if, God isn't, if my life isn't good enough for God, then he can go to hell. A friend of mine was a primary school teacher at a Christian school. Uh, and he used to say to me that his hardest job was convincing the kids that they weren't Christians. What he meant was that most of the kids in his class were good kids. They came from good homes. They didn't do drugs. Uh, they were generally polite. They did what they were told. But he also realised that being good and being polite and slaving away was not the path to God. The older brother in this parable was just as far away from the father as the reckless younger brother. The older brother needed to humble himself as well, put away his pride, give up his life, determine, uh, give up his determination to make his own way and come to his father in love and humility. If that's you, if you spent your life living in and around the father's home, doing the right thing, saying the right thing, helping out at church, basically earning your way and thinking that God owes you something. If you think God owes me one for this, then you need to realise Jesus says that you're as far away from the father as the reckless son. You need to humble yourself, give up thinking that God owes you, cast yourself on his mercy in Jesus Christ. Well, what do you do if you lose something precious that you love? You go searching for it, and when you find it, you rejoice. And Jesus says God does the same thing. He's gone searching for us, people he's made in his own image. He's gone out searching by sending Jesus to die for our sins, and he welcomes back anyone who comes to him through Jesus. Whether you've squandered the family money, the family inheritance, uh, or you've slaved away hoping to earn your way to God, Jesus says there's only one way back, and that's the way back that this younger son took. It's to come to God and say, Lord, I'm not worthy to be called your son, but just make me a slave in your household. Just whatever it takes to bring me back. Please receive me. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we, uh, we want to confess that uh, every one of us is far from you. Lord, all of us have rejected you and turned away from you one way or another, whether that's in recklessness uh, and uh, taking the family inheritance and squandering it, uh, taking the world that you've made, taking our lives that you made for your service, taking those and, and squandering those things, Lord, whether that's how we've rejected you or whether we've rejected you by thinking that we can earn our way to you, um, slaving away, doing what we think is right, uh, doing that, um, uh, striving to, uh, to find a way back to you through our own power and own efforts. Lord, whichever way we've uh, rejected you, Lord, we pray that you would forgive us. Lord, we want to acknowledge 
that you owe us nothing uh, except judgment for our sin uh, and, Lord, that there's no way back apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, we are not worthy to be called your children, uh, but in Christ Jesus you offer us exactly that grace. And so, Lord, we want to receive that through faith. We want to trust uh, that you uh, receive us back uh, through Jesus. Lord, receive us, we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.